I'm still here. I'm back. I ain't going nowhere. That made me think of a clip I'm going to have to play for you guys called the Pimp Squad Chronicles. Anyway, I'm sorry for the delay. You're listening to the Life in Paradise podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Harper. I know it's been three weeks since I've been here. I've been busy. i got a lot of good stories. i got stuff to talk about. I'm in a new studio. I'm moving up in the world. Okay, so I'm not in a studio. But I'm in a different room, and I'm happier because it sounds like I'm not in a tin can. Sounds like I'm in a barnwood building that's kind of falling down and smells like mildew. That's because that's the room that I'm in. Some people call it the man cave. I don't like the word man cave, but hey, I'm rambling. I'm just a regular dude with a regular job and lots of opinions. In today's climate, there's not many places to spew your opinions. So I come here about once every week or two or three to get them off my chest and put them on your back. But you didn't come here to hear me talk about piggyback rides. Remember, all this is free. Sit back, relax, and hand over your 12-word seed phrase to me for about the next 30 or 45 minutes. And if you ain't down with crypto, you have no idea what I just said. Man right here, man right here, the man right here. Just tired and brutalized and stop from this. If I'm in it, I own it. With the keys and ignition, I hope your seatbelt get fastened. No for math and harassment. Having to snatch ass off the mic. Grab me and slap you. Come here. All right, guys. Once again, I apologize for the delay in the podcast. I've been getting tons of emails, people talking about they're going to commit suicide if I don't get another episode out. Yeah, I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But I'm back now. It's been a crazy three weeks. Uh, the busiest month we've ever had at the brewery. And guess what? We still barely broke even. Welcome to the world of brewing. Whoever thought, well, I'm not going to go into it right now. Let's just say breweries are hard work for only a little bit of money. Let's just say that we're banking on the end game. I'm not sure if you listen to the Eskimo Bros podcast, but that's where my my homeboy slash cousin Harry puts up his podcast. And I've been doing a weekly podcast with him as well. So that's part of the reason why I haven't been as diligent with my updates is because now I'm roped into doing this one plus another one. And I'm more likely to do his when I have to pick one or the other because he doesn't do any editing and I don't have to do any editing for his. So we sit down, we talk, and then he puts it up. If you want to check it out, just search for it. I think it's Eskimo Bros, the number six, the number nine on iTunes. So as I mentioned, the last few weeks have been pretty crazy. Um, Kale's birthday party was one night, which, uh, you know, he, he, he runs with all the rich folks and they'd be doing crazy stuff like hiring a mobile axe throwing company to come out to another guy's house and hang out there for the entire party. So it was pretty fun. It was basically like a block party. I don't think they closed off the street, but everyone was out in the streets. A bunch of guys had birthdays around the same time. And so they kind of made a big show of it. And I can't remember if I mentioned in the last episode about these belt sander races that have really intrigued me. (laughs) You know, there's a bar down in Port Aransas and they have belt sanders. And if you're not familiar with what a belt sander is, it's a handheld device. You, You hold it with two hands And you run it across the top of something that you're trying to sand. So what's taking place is that there's a belt inside the machine that's running like a train track. 
and it takes down whatever it is you're holding it. But if you were to let go, if you were to hold the trigger of this machine, but not hold it back, it would just take off down the table. So there's these guys in Port Aransas that have a bar called the Gaff, and they started the uh, belt sander racing circuit. I think it's like all over the country now. So these guys go out and they take these belt sanders and they soup them up and they modify them and they build them to run down the 75-foot track. And so it's just two racers at a time, and you have a, a button that's got a, a switch in it that sends power to the unit or not, based on whether or not you're holding it down. And so you stand there next to the guy you're racing against, and the light turns green, and you hit the button, and it's a race to the finish line. I know it sounds kind of silly, but man, it's fun. So last weekend, my cousin Harry was in town, and I said, hey man, we're going to go to the belt sander races. And so we sponsored a team there, which, I mean, I think... A few t-shirts and some hats and stickers get you a sponsorship. So we were the, the Nuasis Brewing Bitcoin racer. They had our own race sander and everything. So I got to be the one to race it, and it was fun. I got fourth place out of like 12, I think. I didn't realize it, but these guys raced all over the, all over the country. And a lot of these guys were from up north, and they wintered down in Texas. They all dragged their RVs down, hang out in the wintertime, and they build their sanders, and they race them, and then they go back in the summertime. And it's just a, a testament to the way humans will find a way to compete or will always push the limits. And you know what? It's not always humans. I mean, you see this type of thing all over the world. You know, there's some pretty cool races in Thailand called long tail boat races where they take dirt bike engines and they convert them to like uh, boat motors and they race them. And those things are fast. If you ever get a chance, just Google search or, or YouTube, Long Tail Boat Races Thailand, and uh, you'll go down the rabbit hole for sure. But especially Western cultures, we, we push things to the max, and then we push them a little bit farther than that. And we had talked, Harry and I had talked about it on his podcast last week when he was here, explaining to someone from a foreign country that that is still sanding wood by hand, like they don't even have access to these electric sanders and, and explain to them like, Oh yeah. They're like, Whoa, look at that power sander. You don't even have to use any energy. To, it just does it for you with electricity. And we say, Oh yeah, well watch this <laughs> we race them. I don't know. I, I, that's part of the thing that sets the U S apart from the rest of the world is that we have a higher population of those types of people. And my theory on that is because we all migrated from Europe when we got sick of the way things were and to be the type of person who just leaves your home country and leaves everything you have and gives it all up in hopes of a new future, that's pretty risky. That's, that's ballsy. It's, um, it's, it's your, you have to be pushy. You have to be assertive. Uh, you can't be timid. You can't be scared. You have to be positive. And all those types of people or, or all those qualities rolled into one person is kind of what we have in America. And this is cultural. This is something you have to be taught. This is not something you're born with. And when you look at the cultural groups all over the United States, you can trace their behavior. Not, not always. There's, there's always anomalies. But usually you can trace their, their culture or their behavior or their values all the way back to where they came from. And it's just interesting to me that, um, that we're willing to take power tools and race them. You know, we take dogs and we compete with them. We even race turtles. There's a competition for everything. Robot building, mouse training, kite flying, 
hamburger eating. And I think that we often just look past these things and we take them for granted because that's just what we've grown up knowing. We hear about some silly competition and we just kind of laugh about it. But spending a bunch of time in Central America, they don't have these things. They don't, it's foreign to them. They have cockfighting. There's some rodeo stuff. But other than that, like there's not a lot of things that they compete at. And competitive nature is culture. And I think in Central America's case, you know, they were conquered by the Spanish. And the Spanish basically said, don't challenge us. Don't question us. Whatever we tell you to do, you just do it. And we won't kill you. And we won't take what little money you have. And I think that was just taught from the parents to the kids to the kids to the kids down the generation. And, the, and, and then you end up with a culture who's like, hey, look, if we just do what we're supposed to do and nothing more and don't really challenge things or question things or think outside the box, everything's going to be fine. There's no need for us to push the limits. And you know what? I'm not knocking them for it. That's fine. They probably live more of a stress-free life than we do. They don't go bald. They probably don't have as many health problems. And, you know, there's a trade-off for everything. I just think it's interesting to notice the difference in the two cultures. Speaking of Central American culture, boy, 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 do we have a good one from Jill Biden this week? <laughs> Man, the best thing about the Bidens getting elected are the gaffes. So, Jill Biden, remember now, let's not forget, it's very, very important to her that we address her as Dr. Biden. So you, you, cannot, uh, you cannot speak down to her because she has gone and she has gotten a PhD. And we all know that people with PhDs are smarter. So please, if you don't mind, address me as Dr. Biden. Now, I think it was like an online PhD, but we won't talk about that. She definitely didn't go to Oxford. <laughs> okay, so here she is uh, attempting to say a phrase that Obama used in 08 and I think 2012 on the election trail. And it was when he was speaking to minorities, typically of Hispanic descent, he would say, Si se puede, which means yes, we can. Uh, I guess he's trying to motivate them that they, there's something that they can do. I don't know who told them what they can't do. Regardless, si se puede, si se puede, si se puede. They would all start chanting it, okay? Now, here we are, Jill Biden, 2021, has, uh, she wants to say the same thing, but man, bless her little heart. She really struggles with the Espanol. But remember, she's a doctor. With faith in each other, anything is possible. So say it with me. Si se puede. The future is ours. <laughs> si se puede. Hold on, we gotta hear that again. Hey, hold up, hold up, hold up. Possible. So say it with me. Si se puede. The future is ours. <laughs> si se puede. Man. I feel bad for her. No, I don't. I'm kidding. I don't feel bad for her. You know why? Because she demands to be called doctor, even though she doesn't wear a lab coat. She doesn't have a stethoscope. She can't prescribe medicine. Yeah, so she may have a doctorate degree, but she is by no means a doctor. So I will henceforth address her as Poidway Biden. One of my most favorite things about that whole incident 
was explaining it and laughing uncontrollably to someone I know who's a, who's a Biden supporter. I, I take that back. He's an anti-Trumper. So by default, I mean, I feel sorry for him. You know, like you hate Trump. Okay, that's cool. You know what? Oh, wait. <laughs> you have to vote for Biden? <laughs> uh, the lesser of two evils. Man, man, man. Either way, you know, Trump said some silly things. Uh, the way that he spoke was silly, but I don't think his mind is slipping from old age. In fact, I know it's not. Yeah, he's crazy. I don't think he's all that smart of a guy, but at least he could probably complete a game of checkers. Speaking of eloquence, no, not elephants, eloquence. Here's the latest from the poor stutterer himself. Let's just have a listen, shall we? something done if you if it holds near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to anyway I, I, we're going to get a lot done I mean did you catch the old man sounds anyway I, after he forgot his train of thought you know when your brain starts working and you get old you can't squash those little sounds that come out of your mouth I mean, come on. This is not a young person we're talking about. This is an old person. How many times have you heard an old person make noises when they can't think of things? All the time. It's nothing to be ashamed of. But it's something we should think about when we're voting for president. You know, I guess the, the thing that's really sad to me is how other countries will not take us seriously. I have a friend. I have lots of friends from Europe, and I have one friend from Poland. And... They're all telling me, like, the whole world is laughing at you. Like, my Polish buddy sees some Polish news. Uh, it, it, it shows a lot of what the Russians do. And he was like, dude, they, they make fun of him nonstop. And yes, it's funny. It's funny for me to make fun of, too. But how did we get ourselves into the position where we're electing these kinds of people? It's like they're royalty. I mean, I don't remember all the numbers, but for, like, the last 50 years... There's been a Bush, a Clinton, or a Biden in the White House or running for president. Something's got to change, man. Like, we're not electing leaders. We're electing these people who get people killed when things go wrong. We're electing people who get caught messing around with kids who are 17. We're electing people that are getting caught in scandals. We're electing people who get caught stealing money. We're electing people who do nothing to help the communities that they represent. And they have everyone fooled. And we vote for them just because they have the same skin color. Does that not sound messed up? Like, who's okay with this? I really do hope, and I, and I kind of see a little bit of it, that, that connecting people, whether it be with social media or the technology of the smartphone or whoever's responsible for allowing little people to have big voices, I want to thank them because that could be the thing that changes us. Now, it, it can be a problem too because if you have a bunch of people that have the same voice, even if it's not a good gesture, then it, that means it gets heard. What we have to do is we have to learn how to, to decipher the good and the bad. And, you know, there's people out there who just, they want some governing body to fact check everything and to make sure that we're all safe from misinformation. That's not what we need. We need people to figure out how to figure things out. That's what this country's about. This country's not about how to do the least and get the most. This country is about freedom and opportunity and the ability 
to put yourself in a bind or not, based on your own decisions. How many people do you know that have actually taken the appropriate risks to be wealthy or to gain financial wealth and failed and never tried again and never made it? I don't know anyone. I don't know one person who's ever seized an opportunity, failed, and then just given up and stopped and never tried again and never succeeded. That's because we have the opportunity here that nowhere else in the world has. But I digress as usual. My whole point is that I think and I hope that technology will will bust apart the government as we know it, and it will help us derive a new form of government that actually gets people involved and gets leaders back involved and not snake oil salesmen, because that's who we're electing right now, because we have no alternatives. The way the system is, we don't have a choice. We vote for snake oil salesman A or snake oil salesman B, but no matter what, you get a slime ball, and that's what I want to see change. Speaking of change, man, I... I had a foot-mouth situation. I mean, it was like open mouth, insert foot, slam foot to back of throat again, 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 again. Week before last, or no, it was last week. So we had um, some guest brewers. Another brewery from an undisclosed town came to our brewery. We did a little collaboration brew, uh, which means that both of the brewers from each brewery worked together to develop a recipe And then it gets brewed and it gets released and there's kind of some hype about it. But I walked in there and I didn't realize the guys were already there. Someone cracked open a can of beer, handed it to me or or poured it in my glass. I didn't get to see what it was. I had no idea what to expect. Someone just poured it in a glass, handed it to me. I took a sip and I almost spit it. I swallowed it, but I made the nastiest face and I go, that is freaking disgusting. And it was like some bananas smoothie Uh, these guys are making these drinks that aren't beer. So it wasn't beer in my opinion, and it caught me off guard. And it would be like someone saying, here, here's some water, and then you take a drink and it's vodka. So I was like, that's freaking disgusting. And (laughs) the brewer was standing right next to me. Oh, man, I felt bad. He pretended like he didn't hear me. I know that he did, but it uh, it was pretty embarrassing. So it wasn't too much longer. I hightailed it out of there and went to the belt sander races. But, man, I haven't had a situation like that in a while. And uh, a couple of guys who were standing around, I think Kale said he heard it. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we heard that. Everyone heard it. (laughs) So uh, I love it when those situations go down, but I hate it when they happen to me. Okay, this next section is going to be entitled Brandon's Look into His Crystal Ball. So... I'll try to keep this brief and simple. I don't know if I'll be able to. But in the past, you've heard me speculate that I think that they, um, I hate to use the word like financial collapse, but that's kind of scary. Um, A a general devaluation of the dollar, uh, stock market's going to crash. We're going to see a big reset. And even if nothing else is true, if you just look at timeline cycles, you can see that we're due for one. The economy goes in cycles. It's largely based on the, the financial sector um, and, and how they instrument new policy and new financial tools and how they all come crashing down. It's a little too complicated to dive into right now, but I just kind of wanted to update where I see things going. And so here it is. I'm just, I'm just putting it out there so that it's recorded and... Um, One day, I may or may not be able to say, see, I called it. So, 
two bubbles that I see going to collapse. The, the crypto bubble and then the stock market, the, a specific part of the stock market called EFTs. So an EFT is nothing more than an index fund. If you remember, whenever you're filling out your retirement form, you have the opportunity to put it in an index for, fund. And it's basically like a conglomeration of stocks, right? So there's a company like, let's just say Vanguard. They go out and they buy stocks from all these different companies, and then they package it together. And then you can buy one share, but each share has a tiny percentage of all the stocks that they have. It sounds kind of confusing, but if you just think about it for a second, it'd be like me going out and buying 10 cars and then going out and finding 10 people. And instead of each person buying a car, I sell each person a tenth of a car. And what they can do is that they can use a car throughout the year. They get X amount of time, but they can only use 10% of each car. So just think of it like that. Think of it like a guy selling portions of vehicles. So that in itself started a long time ago. Um, and that's, that's called an index fund. So what's happened since then is that they've now allowed those index fund shares to be traded on the secondary market. And so that would be like me saying, okay, here's my little card. My little card entitles you to 10% of each one of those cars. And you can drive them, you can use them, you know, for your allocated amount. And if the cars go up, hey, the share, the portion that you hold, that goes up too. Well, let's just say only three out of the 10 cars go up and three out of the 10 cars go down. Hey, you still have the share? You kind of broke even. It depends on what the other shares did. So you can see how they all kind of work together to, to affect the value of the one share that you're holding. Now, this is advantageous because as a shareholder, I don't have to go out and buy all 10 of those cars to get the appreciation or to, to get the potential profit. I can, I can limit my exposure and just go and buy one-tenth of it and get the same performance percentage-wise. So going back to the example, I have my share of the car club. All Let's just say all the cars go up in value. Well, what does that mean for my, my share? It goes up in value too. So let's just say I want to make some money and I paid $1,000 for my share. But someone else, they want access to those cars. They want to be able to use those cars. So they say, look, I'll give you $1,500 for that. Those things are going up in value. I think they're going to go up even more. So then I take the $1,500 from the individual. I give them the shares in the car club. Now they have $1,500 invested, and now they have access to the cars, and I no longer have access. So that's what's happened. So the index fund, everyone put money into when they invest in the Vanguard index fund, but then if they wanted to, to sell it, they couldn't. They couldn't sell it. They just had to sell the stocks back and get out of the fund or sell the shares back to the, the, the brokerage house. Now, since they're able to be traded back and forth, that creates its own supply and demand. So let's just say that of those 10 cars, they're worth $1,000 each on the open market. They're worth 1000 each. But remember, people wanted in there so bad that they paid me $1,500. I paid 1000 The cars are still worth 1000 each. So technically, if there's 10 shareholders and the cars are worth 1000 each, that's $10,000 worth of cars. I paid 1000 It's worth 1000 The only way that it goes up should be if the price of those cars increase. Okay, but now we're trading them on the secondary market. I'm selling the shares to my neighbor. He can sell them to whoever he wants. And what happens is 
the desire for those shares goes up, but the value of the car doesn't. Okay, so now you've got shares in something that are worth more than what the cars are actually worth. That's called overvalued. And it's happening right now with the EFT. And it can go two different ways. And did I say EFT? E- ETF? Exchange Traded Fund. ETF. So I get it confused because there's a term in cryptocurrency called NFT. So ETF can go one of two ways. It can bring up the value of the underlying shares. So people can assume that just because the shares of the car club are worth 1500 now the conglomeration of the cars are worth 15000 That's not true because they don't have the performance to say that. If you sold those cars individually, if they didn't bring 15000 then your shares overvalued. So that's one way it can happen. The shares can pull up the value of the vehicles erroneously. Another thing that can happen is that they can just leave the share values down and they start trading for a crazy amount of money and the value is not backed by the value of the asset. It's just supply and demand. So it's just like um, the value of baseball cards. There's no, there's no real intrinsic value. In- intrinsic value is when you can use something or it is of use. So like a lawnmower has intrinsic value because you could use it to cut grass and make money, right? Bitcoin doesn't have any intrinsic value. This is why a lot of people think it's going to fail. So I don't, I disagree with that. So that's one thing. I kind of broke down the ETF and, and how that is overvalued. People want these shares of these ETFs so badly, they're willing to bid it up and pay more than what it's worth. Now, that's all good and well until the time comes that everyone wants out of that. When everyone wants out of something, it will immediately fall down to, well, this is based on everyone selling, right? If people start selling off their shares because for whatever reason... It can go down ASAP to the value of the cars. It'll probably stay around there. The value of the cars can go down, but it'll it'll go from its inflated price to the price that's you know the price that's been driven by demand, all the way down the asset value in the blink of an eye. And you have all these people that had paid much higher of a price to get in that pool, and they're left with nothing. So that's one way I think that we're going to see something crash. Another thing that I've seen is that uh, cryptocurrency is kind of moving with the stock market. So it's, it's moving alongside stock market goes up, crypto go up, stock market goes down, crypto goes down. And I expected them to move independently. I thought that crypto would move totally different than the Wall Street. And I think this tells me that now we have enough Wall Street savvy investors that are now playing with crypto that it's, it's acting the same way. So you might say, well, what's wrong with that? You know, more savvy investors, the market is going to behave less erratically, more predictably. The problem with that is whenever the stock market crashes, the crypto market's going to go with it. And just like I've said in the past, there will be some guys who emerge. There will be some companies who are backed by cryptocurrency that will come back, but it's not going to be all of them. I think there's currently like 7,000 companies on the, uh, the crypto exchange. And technically, they're not companies. Technically, they're just a token that represent pie in the sky or something. Um, but it's, it's basically evolved into an equity market, just like the stock market. You're buying these tokens based on how these companies are performing, and they're using them to gain liquidity for their projects. So 
both markets crash together. Both markets are going to rebound. Bitcoin's going to be fine. Ethereum is going to be fine. All the big tokens are going to come back because they represent technology that's very valuable and will pave the way to the future. Now, you take both of those combined with the fact that there's a lot of leveraged investments right now. That just means that people are borrowing money to invest. So if I know that I can get 20% in a month in the stock market, I can just go down to the bank and borrow however much they'll loan me at whatever interest rate they want, as long as it's less than 20%, and I can make money. And so what you're seeing is people operating in the stock market on what's called margin. Brokerage houses will give you a line of credit, and you can do with it whatever you want to, but whenever you sell your stocks, you've got to give them their money back. So what happens when the ETF market collapses and the, and the crypto market collapses and no one can pay their lenders back? Well, that's when the bubble pops. So you have to ask yourself, what leads to a crisis or a bubble bursting? And the answer to that is whenever large amounts of people can't get paid. So if you remember back in the housing uh, market crisis, what caused the collapse? Whenever all those investors who tried to buy mortgage-backed securities couldn't get paid. People couldn't pay their mortgages because the way that we loaned money wasn't based on whether or not we thought people could repay. We loaned money based on what people said, and we gave them whatever they asked for, and that was that, mainly because the government backed it up. So things collapse when people can't get paid. The dot-com bubble. What happened? All these investors rushed out there. They paid a bunch of money for these, um, these corporations to go public. They thought they were going to be the next big internet boom. Everything boomed. What happened? There was way too many people in the market. There wasn't enough demand for it yet. All the investors didn't get repaid. Nobody could pay dividends. Everything collapsed. I think we're staring down the barrel of it right now. And, and I'll just say, like, I didn't, I didn't take credit for all this stuff. I bit and pieced it together. Uh, there's a guy named Michael Burry, who was the guy who got ridiculously rich off of the housing market bubble. He, uh, he bet against it. He also got rich off the GameStop thing. Just a super savant-style investor, and he warned of the ETF bubble uh, collapsing. So I, I took his portion of that, combined it with some other stuff, and uh, that's where I'm at right now. So what am I doing? I, um, I'm not investing in any ETFs right now. I'm just kind of watching the market. I'm, I'm really not, uh, I'm not in a lot right now. I think like 10% of my stock market portfolio is actually in stocks. Uh, the rest is on standby. So I want to buy things when they're on sale. I'm going to go to the bank. I'm going to see if they'll give me a, um, a line of credit on some rental properties that I own just to have the money on standby. And uh, yeah, I'll probably invest in crypto and maybe some real estate and some stocks whenever the, the bottom falls out. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it'll never happen. Maybe we'll never have another economic downturn again. Doesn't seem realistic, but hey, you never know. All right, so that's where I'm at on the, uh, the collapse. Uh, I don't have no time frames. I don't know. It could be a year. It could be a month. We don't know. Uh, the stock market could be a low, slow bleed, or it could fall overnight. It just depends on how it depends on what pops the bubble, right? There's always a pen that touches the balloon, and the whole thing explodes. And um, the way that that works will be contingent on how the stock market collapses. So 
that's where I'm at. Um, I think that wraps up today's show. I'm getting ready to hop on and do a podcast with Harry. So check out Eskimo Bros 69. It's basically me and him who are nothing more than a couple of gorillas exchanging ideas, uh, talking crap, making fun of people, and talking in voices that a lot of people would say are racist. I don't know why. I love everyone. I think it's funny to joke about cultural differences. So thanks again for listening to the Life in Paradise podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Brandon Harper. You know what to do. Keep it tranquilo. Tranquilo.